folks, welcome into another episode of the Orlando Soccer Show. Gavin Eubank here with you today, and I have joined with me Luis Hernandez. You may know him. He has been covering Orlando City pretty much since day one. Um, you may have read his work from the mainland. He hosts his own podcast, and starting this year, Luis is going to be doing some Pride coverage, Pride uh, commentary for us over at the Orlando Soccer Show. So we are or at the Orlando Soccer Journal. So we're excited to have him here and have his work. And today... We are going to be doing it's an all pride episode. The season starts this week. I know it feels like six months or so since the pride have been on the field and this season or this weekend back in action in Portland against the Thorns. So today we're going to spend some time to talk about the season, kind of recap what the pride have been up to, what's been going on in preseason and, you know, what we think about's going to happen here in 2023. Luis, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm great, Gavin. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited and I'm super grateful for the opportunity to just keep talking about the Orlando Pride. I'll make sure to keep it brief because I can yap a long time with that. <laughs> no, no worries. No worries. As listeners of this show will know, I'm not a big Pride expert. Obviously, I kind of follow along what's happening, but as far as the in-depth stuff, I'm definitely going to let you do most of the rambling here today as we you know, get some more of that uh, more insightful opinions that we have on the show. So uh, let's, let's just kind of catch up to where we were before we look ahead to 2023. Let's look back at 2022. Obviously, I think eventful year for the Pride would be one way to say it. They finished 10th in the NWSL, 22 points out of 22 games. They were 11 points out of a playoff spot last year. They finished with the second worst goal differential in the league at minus 23. Only, I want to say Gotham had a worse goal differential than them last season. So not very great defensively. They were a very low-scoring team, very similar to what we've been seeing from Orlando City over the last several years, but obviously defense being the one thing that's let them down on that behalf. Um, As far as the technical staff, that was really the big story of the year for the Orlando Pride. Amanda Cromwell was placed on administrative leave June 7th. Seb Hines named the interim manager, and Hines took control. He took over the team from there on out. They did lose their first two games, but they went on a seven-game unbeaten run in the middle of the summer after Seb Hines took over. You know, some spirits are going high. The Pride were in a playoff contention for quite a bit, and then the bottom fell out. They lost five of their last six games down the stretch, one draw in that span, ultimately missed the playoffs by 11 points, like I said. Uh, in the Challenge Cup, things weren't better. Winless in six games, four losses. They finished last in that group. So... A season to forget if you're the Orlando Pride. Outside of that, since we've left them here in 2023, Seth Hines has been named the full-time head coach. And I believe it was on the same day in November that they announced Ian Fleming, general manager, was no longer with the team. And eventually replaced by uh, Haley Carter. She is now the vice president of soccer operations and the general manager for the Pride. Um, A lot has happened. In between now and then, a lot of players have gone, more specifically. Not a ton of players coming in for the Pride, Luis. When you think about the last, I mean, eight, ten months, how would you kind of sum up, basically, where, you know, how you felt about the Pride this whole time? You know, it's been rough. Like, anybody who follows a team, who's a fan of the team, will tell you it's been rough. Um when the situation with Amanda Cromwell happened, it was one of those things where 
it was happening throughout the league. There was shenanigans from different coaches. And it always felt good, at least as a Pride fan, to kind of say, and it hasn't happened to us. And then it happened to us. And, like, the hard part when Seb took over was I thought that Amanda Cromwell had the team overperforming. And then, like, even though they were still not great. So it's been a roller coaster. I think that having the the hire of Haley Carter and the permanent appointment of Seb Hines is really what the, or, the organization needed because at first I thought, you know, I know I we love Seb. He's great. He's Orlando all the way. But maybe I thought something new, something exciting, something to reinvigorate the fan base. But the reality was, like, this guy knows the organization and the players really, really respected him. He won that locker room over, I guess, you know, obviously as a, a, a breath of fresh air from whatever Cromwell was doing. A lot of things happened and it it kind of tore things apart. He did the best he could. I think at the end of the season, even Seb would say that fatigue played a factor. When he took over, he started doing like two-a-day practices for a bit and he had like what he called a mini training camp. And so I think that the pride just ran out of gas at the end. So hopefully this time they're going to be much fitter. And look, we got to keep, we got to be hopeful, but I think it's also a matter of being realistic. And one of the problems that the pride had was there was issues, a talent gap, I guess would be the, the, the best way to describe it. And they're, they're slowly addressing some of that stuff. It's been a process. I think the big thing here from what they brought in, like Adriana from Brazil, I think that's going to be great. That does open, like I said uh, in the article, the possibility of her and Marta both leaving. But you get the number one pick, what I think is right with Emily Madrill who is a day one starter. Like legitimately, I knew when we picked her, I don't care who else was going to be as a center back, she was going to be starting. So overall, I think that it's going to take some time, but it's good to be cautiously optimistic. Yeah, no, that I mean, that certainly always helps, especially when you, you know, when we've been watching the Pride for all these years, we thought last year was going to be the rebuilding year that brought 2023 to be kind of like taking the next step from being a bottom dweller to on the cusp of the playoffs. And it kind of feels like, well, you know, that whole year there wasn't a total loss, but it didn't necessarily, we didn't, you know, the pride didn't obviously accomplish everything that they hoped for. They basically had to reset in the middle of the year. But a couple of things to, to jump off what you were saying there. Obviously, with the appointment of Seb Hines, that's kind of the, the big piece really here for them. You mentioned, you know, the possibilities of like maybe they, you know, they can go out and they can obviously would have been able to find someone that was far more experienced. Maybe you could say far more qualified for the job. And that's not to put any knock on Seb. This is obviously his first professional coaching gig. Um, especially when you think about the coaches that the Pride have had since their inception. I mean, between Tom Sermani and Mark Skinner, Becky Burley there in the interim, 
they've, I mean, between those three people alone and, you know, even considering the resume that Cromwell had when she was hired, that's decades upon decades of experience at, in women's soccer at literally every level of the game between college, pros, international, you know, international uh, domestic league experience, NWSL experience. I mean, the resumes there speak for themselves. So to go from that to Seb Hines is obviously, it's a big change. Um, but like you said, I think the the big key here was that he won the locker room. He earned their trust. And ultimately, I think what the pride needed most and really, you could say this about a lot of the teams, like you said, going through this in the NWSL right now. They need these players need coaches that they could trust, that they feel comfortable working with, that they know, like this is an environment I want to be in. And Seb, ultimately, regardless of his coaching experience, he brings that. No, yeah, for sure. You know, the resumes aside, right? I can tell you that Seb Hines has his. U.S. Soccer Federation A license that goes a long way with, you know, getting up to speed. He's been doing this for a while. Soccer and football have been his life, right? He grew up in England. Uh, it's it's just it's in his blood, and it's one of those things where, yeah, like you can say, Tom Sermani has been a national team coach. Um, Mark Skinner has coached overseas in the the Women's Super League. In England, um, you know, Becky Burley, she had years and years of experience uh, coaching in the college scene. Amanda Cromwell, you can. So like the resume aside, I think sometimes what's important is just being able to connect with the people in a way to buy in. And the way that Seb ran that locker room as he took over really rough right like he basically had the rest of the coaching staff disappear had to bring uh giles barnes in you know miggy had to come in and and sort of just like help with the goalkeepers and so now with the with the off season and being able to have like a full staff right like it's him he's got two assistant coaches he's got the goalkeeping coach there's all kinds of people, the trainer, um, you know, the the, uh, the fitness coach, uh, and, you know, the director of, of health and wellness. It's all kinds of things there. And I think this surge of support is going to come in phases for the pride. I don't think this is the end, but I think this is sort of like in that process of, of riding a, a, a cruise ship, right? Like readjusting the course. It's not going to take... Uh, a quick amount of time to do it. So, and, and like I said, I can't underemphasize the importance of, of Haley Carter. I think that's just the right person for that job. Her resume is amazing. She's super knowledgeable, former player, um, lawyer, like knows how to lead a team, a former Marine, Used to coach, uh, used to be an assistant coach for the the uh, the women's Afghanistan team, and so like there's a lot going on there. And the the, the thing about the the a pride fan, right, is that they've heard it so many times, over and over. Just be patient. Just take some time. 
And then the amount of churn that the organization has had over and over, it makes it hard to buy into that. But I think that these people are locked in in, in longer term deals on on the the administration and, and the the front office coaching side so that then they're going to be in turn able to focus on the long-term growth and development of the players that they have right now and then also be able to bring in players in a more targeted way right like you can we can talk real quick about orlando city and when they were targeting ohea and they didn't get him the first time they tried but they were able to go back in a previous year and get him that hasn't been the case with the pride it sort of has seemed that some of these signings that they managed to get have been sort of like just by chance serendipity um you know when mark skinner when he was coaching he obviously brought players that he knew from england that kind of thing so this is going to be kind of a new ground for seb when it comes to the new signings and i'm excited to see what happens Haley carter has already hinted that uh, for the summer transfer window, that there's going to be uh, some movement that people are going to be excited about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have our, our opening day roster here already set, and the Pride expects, we've been expecting this week that they were going to make at least a few more announcements. From what I was told, there were some players at the kit reveal on Wednesday night that are not officially officially announced members of the Orlando Pride, but they were there with the Pride sporting these new jerseys. So we should get those announcements eventually. Um, we're recording this on Thursday night. You know, you'll be here listening to it on Friday. So by the time you're listening to this, what I'm saying right now might not even be true. So let's kind of look ahead. Um, let's look. So the Pride, obviously, like I've you know, kind of alluded to, a big under, you know, a big transformation as far as the roster this offseason. So I'm going to read off some names here. Um, Gunny Johnstetter, Darian Jenkins, Maggie Doherty Howard, Sidney LaRue. Those were the top four goal scorers in the Pride last season. None of them are with the team anymore. On top of that, you lose. Let me get the list up here. So they lost. Um, Amy Turner. They lost Tony Presley. Yeah, they lost uh, Aaron McLeod. They lost. Uh, you know, Courtney Peterson, they lost Chelsea Washington, Parker Roberts, Thaya Rice, all of these players gone. And as you know, other than the draft picks, Adriana and Carly Nelson are the two main signings of those players that they lost. Which of those, which of them is, is going to be the most kind of, I don't say detrimental, but the, the impact is going to be there from them not being on the field. I think it's Erin McLeod. I think that uh, she did the best she could, but she was able to save the pride, uh, the pride's bacon for some of these games when the back line let her down. I think that uh, her leadership, the way that she organizes that line, is is really going to be uh, an issue. And like I said, I feel like Anna Morehouse who they brought in is an international, takes up an international spot, is going to be who they're going to play. And and I think maybe, I don't know, it's just whenever I see her play, I'm not really wowed by it. I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic about it, but I actually think personally that uh, Carly Nelson 
to me, from what we saw limited uh, and like that open scrimmage and things like that, I kind of just liked her better as preference. So we'll see what happens. So as far as the goalkeeper situation, are is that something, are you a little concerned about that when you think about early in the year? We might, you know, this was something we talked about um, like a month or two ago on the Orlando Soccer Show about after they signed Carly Nelson. I mean, you've got a few goalkeepers in there now that don't have a ton of playing time, a ton of experience. Maybe you'll see a couple of, you know, a couple different starters in the first few weeks. They're going to be playing in front of a back line that's going to be mostly new together, inexperienced. Is that going to be a concern for you early in the season? Yeah, you know, you start the season in Portland, and that's probably the hardest place to play in the league. And, uh, you know, I, I think that Seb Hines is going to ask a lot from their goalkeeper because in addition to trying to be a good shot stopper, they're going to want to basically kind of have possession and and will probably try to play out of the back. And, you know, the goalkeeper needs to have the a good distribution, uh, good with the ball at their feet. And it's going to be tricky, right? Like if in previous years, you've sort of seen the pride uh, goof up a, a back pass to the goalkeeper. And so... Uh, I'm not saying that that's going to happen. I think that under Seb Hines, they've looked better organized. But uh, yeah, like I think step one, stop the other team from scoring first. At least you get a point if it's a nil-nil draw. And historically, when the Pride give up the first goal, it's not good, Gavin. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I can definitely say, at least from Orlando City experience as well, there was a couple years there in the pre-Oscar area where they would give up a goal in the first 20 minutes of the game and you spend the next 70 minutes chasing, and that's not usually a good game plan. Um, so especially for a team, I know that this was something that um, in that final preseason scrimmage was a 3-2 to two win over the Washington Spirit. They actually they went down two goals in the first half, and that was one of the things that Seba talked about. It was like, we went down early, and we had to spend the rest of the game chasing, and that's just not really what we wanted. You know, that's not obviously what they want to do. I mean, nobody, no team wants to trail. But um, at least from experience, they now have some of that under their belt here in the preseason. The preseason, which they went undefeated in, if that's something that you are, you know, you want to take with you, five games, five wins, three of them against NWSL teams. So, you know, we don't really see results in the preseason as anything to be concerned about. But uh, does that have you feeling good about things? So the last time the Pride went undefeated in preseason was 2017, the year they made the playoffs. So... Yeah, I get it. It is preseason, but I feel pretty good about it. At least I feel like the team will be confident, right? I, I think that this really helps the squad. I think there's a couple of different things that in the preseason that this version of the Pride have done differently. Like I said, going undefeated super helps. Uh, earlier at the start of the preseason, um, something that they've never done before is they went down to Port St. Lucie for a week to train outside of Orlando and, and sort of just, you know, spend a week together. 
I think that's that's amazing. That's never they've never been able to do that, and so they've they've come back looking strong as a unit cohesiveness. Um, so I, I think they're going to need to do that. I think they're going to have to ride out some some bumpy times. But yeah, I think for the most part, the preseason and the results that they did kind of do, does fill me with a little bit of hope. That's good. All right, we've been jumping around here, so let's just kind of get into the starting lineup now and then move forward with, you know, predictions and takes and whatnot. So it's obviously kind of a mixed bag. March is back. That's the big news. You have Adriana. Um, I want to talk about Emily Madrill. First pick for the Pride. You obviously are very high on her. You think she's a day one starter. You know, is that what you know? What's your your take on her and, and kind of the impact that you think she's going to have for the team this year? Yeah, what I'm hoping for is that she takes takes command of that back line. I understand that Megan Monafusco is the veteran, but I think that what Emily wants to do and how she wants to play, right? Um, she's a, a center back that has the tendency to want to dribble the ball into the midfield to kind of connect the ball more to the attack and, and and so and she'll do it herself so i i think that uh as long as she's like the vocal leader one concern gavin that i really have with this back line as much as i like emily is just like who she's going to partner with who's going to play on the right side of her and you know emily's 5'8 so you lose someone like Tony Presley, who's much taller, and and you know you're you're giving up a lot of height. So I, I mentioned also the fact that I'm not sure how well they're going to do with aerial duels, like that kind of thing. It, it seems like one of those things that like it's weird to kind of focus on, but you know a lot of teams cross the ball, and and I don't know who's going to be better in the air. Um, Megan Montefusco, who kind of started off and on with uh, Harry Lawrence last year. <sighs> you know, I, I feel like the, like those players are a little bit inconsistent. And, and look, I know it's a lot to put on a rookie, but I do think that she's going to be the key to that. And hopefully, like, we can get some good organization in the back and and just kind of just slow the flow when it comes to giving up goals does adriana make enough difference for this team to move out of second worst in the league in goals yeah so you know they make a big deal because adriana's uh nickname is the magician and I don't know. Like, is she the magician because she can uh, score all these goals, or is she the one that can, will help create the goals? I, I think for Adriana, first of all, if you saw her play in She Believes when she was here in Orlando, she's not going to play that role. She plays a, as a midfielder for the Brazilian national team. In Orlando, she's going to be uh, much more in the attack. She's going to be one of the wingers. She prefers probably the right side, but I think she's going to play left because she's versatile that way when you have like uh, Julie Doyle on that side uh, to kind of 
have better wing play on either side. So I do think with the attack with Adriana, she's going to give you better better play on the wing. So I hope that at least I think that there'll be more chances created. I I don't necessarily know if we're going to have the right people finishing, right? I'm hoping that you have someone like Ali Watts, Messiah Bright, who are going to be able to put those goals away. And look, you still have veterans like Erica Timrak, Marta. They're going to contribute, I hope. But it's kind of like a TBD. I think that with people like Ariana, it's more about just creating better chances. Yeah, and you mentioned Messiah Bright. She had two goals in that final preseason win, so a little bit of a confidence boost there for her heading into the season. Another one of Orlando's first round draft picks. Some, you know, a lot of potential, some, you know, some good expectations for her. Um as far as you said, so March is back. That's the the big thing for Orlando. And like you said with Adriana, both of them we expect to be involved with uh, the Brazilian national team at the World Cup this summer. That's going to be a big loss for them. So, I mean, when you're talking about possibly, I mean, two of, if not the two, you know, people that we kind of look at and say those are going to be pieces that the Pride rely on to score goals and, you know, be a good team. How are they, are they going to be able to withstand that with, with that loss, you know, for four or five, six weeks, whatever the Pride or whatever they end up being away? You know what? I think they are. And I'll tell you when you're going to see it the most, right? I think that Orlando's going to be very successful in the Challenge Cup. The Challenge Cup is mostly going to happen in the summer while everybody is away for the World Cup. And I think that what's going to end up happening is you're going to have someone like Summer Yates come in and and play that role for Marta. I know she's a, a, a rookie, but like... I, what I've seen of her in the in the preseason has been really impressive. She's done a really good job creating chances, and uh, she's she's sort of like very comfortable with the ball, kind of physical. Um, just you really like to see that. And also, I think that this will be an opportunity when Adriana's gone that we'll definitely be able to see more of um, Haley. Uh, Buhea, that uh, from the the Maltese international, who is going to be nineteen in May, right? Like, so she's super young, but I think that she has the potential because she does. She's been playing with her national team. It's Malta, I understand, but like she's got that national team experience. She she will be. She's got a kind of like a a, a nose for goal. I think that uh, when she was playing in the Italian league, I kind of feel like she was able to to score her goals because she put herself in positions where if there was a rebound, she just happened to be there. And, and so she's she's always looking to go to goal. And, and I think that those two players are the two that I'm looking for to kind of step up when uh, the Brazilians are away. We're coming up here on 30 minutes, so we'll start to wrap up. Give me your predictions for the season. Um, I believe you wrote in your season preview at OSJ, you say eighth place is the best case scenario? 
Yeah, I was really torn between like a seventh or eighth place. I think that I'm not sure if they're good enough to be a bubble team, but they're good enough to chase the bubble teams. And and sort of like I feel that maybe as this team slowly gels, they'll play better, but then they'll have to deal with some absences. Um, they have historically had some issues with a little bit of injuries here and there. Uh, and so I think that these early results will end up haunting them at the end of the season. And so I, I kind of feel like maybe it'll be like, oh, they're tied on points. Oh, but the goal differential is worse. So they're going to drop down a, a, a spot in the standings. Obviously, one of the big conversations with Orlando City to start this season was that, you know, they were competing on four different fronts this year and what they are prioritizing over each other. If you're the pride, you have the Challenge Cup and you're going into the season, obviously their expectation is that they will, you know, they want to fight for the playoffs. Do you think if if you are in, you know, Haley Carter's position or Seth Hines' position, you go after the Challenge Cup early, kind of put your eggs in that basket and maybe take something away from this year? I don't think they're going to look at it that way. I think that they should, but I think that they're just going to want to win everything. And they're going to say that anyway. And I think that what, what those extra games with the Challenge Cup is going to give them is it's going to let the rookies and, and even like the, the second-year players, right, like the Julie Doyles, uh, you know, the, when Viviana gets back, Viviana Viacorta, like those people. Uh, and of course, I can't forget Carrie Bello, who I'm super, super high on. I think she's going to do uh, a, a really good job for the Pride this year. So those are, you know, I think that they're just going to take the opportunity to get those players minutes uh, and just go for it. I do think that maybe other teams will also not look at the challenge cup in quite the same way so but the pride are probably set up the best to not lose as many players damn it the pride open up this sunday in portland 5 p.m eastern time that game will be on paramount plus and it was also announced this week that they will have select games airing locally on Fox 35 Plus, they'll have an all-female local broadcast team doing those games. That's pretty exciting. If you don't have uh, Paramount Plus, uh, any predictions on that one? Defending champions at home for the Thorns. It's you know probably going to see twenty thousand plus crowd. Not going to be an easy one for the Pride, huh? Not going to be an easy one for the Pride. Y- you know they're going to be standing there watching the Thorns raise the banner as it were, uh, get their championship rings. So I think people are going to be hyped. Uh, now, they did have a, a, a an injury, a serious injury to one of their starting forwards, uh, Janine Becky. She tore her ACL. So sort of what, what Marta went through in, in Orlando last year, uh, that's going to affect the, uh, the Thorns a little bit. But there's way too much talent. Sophia Smith... Uh, Sinclair, just, you know, Morgan Weaver, a lot of talent, and they're super deep. The Pride are going to lose 3-1 on the road for their opening game. What a bummer, man. You got to leave us on such a down note. 
Look, I really want to. Any a positive, I think, would be if they draw. I just don't have that faith right now in the goalkeeping and in the back line to kind of even say, oh, yeah, they can draw. I'm sure they could. Don't get me wrong. Like if they drew or even if they won, well, maybe if they won, I'd be surprised. But, <laughs> you know, like I would still be like pretty pleased. I'd rather be wrong, but I want to be realistic about it. And realistically, I, I just think that there's they're going to be overwhelmed a little bit. Not for the moment, because I think that they're going to be able to kind of ride those those waves in the game where they're facing pressure. But, Gavin, I don't know if you remember the last time Orlando played Portland. They gave up six, I... six goals. Yep. <laughs> yep, I'm looking at the results right now. They played twice last season, the 2 nothing loss in Orlando on September 9th, and then Seb Hines' second game in charge as interim manager in Portland, six nothing. <laughs> so not uh, not fond memories out there in Providence Park. Well, Luis, this has been great, very informative, and I hope our listeners got a lot out of it. Give us uh, give us some plugs here. Where can they find you? And you know, give a shout out to your podcast. What are you guys talking about? Yeah, sure. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Radioactive Clown. There's no e. Um, you can find us on Spotify. Our podcast is called the Purple Pulse Pod. You know, and so that's where we are on Twitter. Uh, and we basically just kind of just talk all about the pride in a lot of detail. Sometimes we ramble a little bit. Um, we tend to swear on my on that podcast a little bit as 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 kind of more. We kind of, you know, kind of do it as like a couple of fans instead of like a, a true professionals like the people at the Orlando Soccer Show. So uh, there might be so a little bit of a, a little bit of profanity, not too much, but uh, you know, just saying. <laughs> well, if you want to, we also have Luis's work over at the Orlando Soccer Journal. He'll be doing commentary all season long, and currently up on the site. We just posted on Thursday. 2023 season preview if you want to read more uh, about that what could you know what might go right for the pride projected lineups what could go wrong all that good stuff well Luis once again thank you so much for joining us yeah man thanks a lot appreciate it all right and that's it for today's episode we'll have some more recaps and whatnot of the pride next week on on our full show we'll also have our uh, post-game show after Orlando City against Philadelphia on Saturday. And until then, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye-bye.